Hello, this is Jake Watkins. I'm the Young Adults Pastor at Cross City Christian Church, and welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk inspires you and encourages you into anchoring the love and power of Jesus into your daily life. Enjoy the message. Elementary director, used to be coordinator, now director, whoop whoop, uh, here at Cross City. Um, I'm going to shamelessly plug my ministry before I dive into Jude. So if you are not currently serving somewhere at Cross City, a great place to start is in kids ministry, specifically with me in first through fourth grade. Uh, Jared and Ashley serve with me. Um, a few others around serve or have a hand in it, like CC does all of our tech stuff for us and gets our volunteers and all of that good stuff. If you are interested in serving or knowing more about it, I have these really awesome looking bookmarks on the back table. But also, if you're like, no, kids are not for me, I don't want to serve in kids. Uh, on the bookmark also has prayer prompts. We're just going to ask at the very least that you partner with us in prayer uh, because you know the world we live in and these kids just need to be covered in prayer. So, at the very least, grab a bookmark. It's cool looking. It doesn't look like a kid's bookmark. And read through that in prayer when you think about it. Pray when you think about it. All right. Uh, so I talked to Jake a while ago about teaching an anchor. Um, I love kids, but teaching for kids is not my heart's passion. Um, and I love sharing the word of God. And when I talked to him about it, you guys were doing your uh, TikTok theology series. Uh, that was awesome. Loved it. Thought that was great. I was like, Jake, it's time. Well, actually, he told me, it's time, Audrey, you're going to come teach. And I was like, great, what are we doing? And he said, oh, just the book of Jude. And if you've been with us the past couple weeks, you know that the book of Jude is not just a book of Jude. There's a lot. It's a small but mighty book. So week one, Jake talked about um, fighting for truth, fighting for the truth. And Jude started his letter out with emphasizing the need to contend for the faith, right? Uh, week two, Jake covered the middle chunk of Jude, where Jude warns of corruption and false teaching. He uh, uses examples that the church of that time would know and recognize, maybe not things that we read and recognize, because some of them are references that are outside of our Bible, but things that they would know in their context of the day. Um, and all of his examples pointed to needing to uh, remember the truth. One line that Jake said that stuck with me was, let the truth change the culture. Don't let the culture change the truth, right? So how we can fight for the truth and remember the truth. Um, last week, we made cards for the elderly and watched uh, Inigo Montoya avenge his father, if you were here last week for Valentine's Day. Wow. It's okay, you can talk back. I'm used to, I'm used to kids talking back. Um, and today we're going to wrap up our Jude series, um, and I'm going to read the last few verses that we're going to... 
Uh, Verse 17 starts, but you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating division among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sin that contaminate their lives. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, all glory, majesty, power, and authority is before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, uh, as we dive into the last part of Jude, God, I pray that you would renew our hearts, God, that you would show us what it means to contend for the faith, God, that we, as we close this chapter, would remember truth and know and learn how to stand in truth, God, that we would learn and know how to have a foundation built on you. In your son's name we pray, amen. All right. Woo! Hard part's over so far, right? So, diving in right away to verse 17 through 19, it reminds us that these false teachers and scoffers were predicted before even Jude's warning, right? We heard over the past couple weeks that uh, Jude warns against false prophets. He warns against um, scoffers, people who will lead you astray, people who give into their desires that are not of God, right? It's nothing new, he reminds us. We hear it in 2 Peter and 1 John and 2 Timothy and Jesus himself reminds us of that in Matthew 7. The corrupt teachers coming and distorting the good news and people satisfying their ungodly desires was not new news to them. Um, I'm in a a life group with some ladies. Um, They're actually meeting right now. Sad I can't be with them, but happy to be here with you guys anyways. But last week we were actually studying 1 John and specifically the part talking about false teachers. And one of the gals shared that she was on the in the crew club at Fresno State. Anyone in the crew club at Fresno State? Oh, wow. All right. Well, the crew club is uh, there to bring Christ to campus, right? Um, and one of the things that she said was she was evangelizing, spreading the good news to people around at Fresno State. And there was one guy who she thought she connected with, who uh, she thought God was going to capture his heart, right? And later... She was saying that he um, was led astray by a false teacher. There's this group who I think they're called Mother of God. I don't know a whole lot about them. Um, And when she told me that, I was like, so they worship like Mother Nature? Uh, I don't understand. Well, these people, if you don't know anything about them, they think that there is the Trinity, and they think the Trinity is God the Father, 
God the Son, and God the Mother. And it's so close to truth in the sense of we know as Christians that our God is three in one. And we know that there is a trinity. And if you aren't firm in your foundation, you might think that makes a whole lot of sense, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Mother. Uh, but that's not true, right? Those, that would be an example of a false teacher, a false prophet coming, right? Verse 19, going back to it, says, these people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit with them. James tells us that even demons know the name of God, right? They know who Christ is. That doesn't mean the spirit is in them, but there are, there are people in this world who know of Jesus. They might be very convincing in saying that the spirit is in them. They might convince you that our God is three in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Mother, and that is not true. That is not what the Bible says. My Bible's not here right now, but pretend I just pointed at my Bible. Uh, that is not what truth says, truth does not say that we have the Trinity and it's God the mother as well, right? We We have to build and stand on our foundation of Christ. In jumping into verse 20 through 23, Jude, instead of addressing all of the warnings that he gives us, all the things that Jake talked about last week and the first couple verses that we just covered, he instead says, okay, there's false prophets, there's false teachers, beware, here's our action plan, right? He doesn't address first how to address those specific people, those specific false teachers. He says, Instead of addressing them, address yourself. That's what he talks about first. So thing number one that he says is we need to build each other up. Verse 19 talks about division and Satan loves division, right? We hear it in churches all the time. We hear people who think that we should uh, be baptized as a kid, right, when you come out of the womb, right? And we have people who believe, okay, you should be baptized when it is your choice to be of faith, right? And those are things that that Satan wants to divide us on, right? That's not what's going to make or break your salvation. But there are other things too of, uh, you know, we have different denominations of churches. He wants different things to divide us. But we need to build each other up. Um, In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying before he's crucified on the cross. And he knows, he's Jesus, he knows he's going to be crucified. And the thing that he chooses to pray for is unity and oneness. In verse 20 through 23, it says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. 
There's a lot of times where he said one in that, right? Jesus is praying. He could have prayed for anything. He could have prayed that God gives us world peace. He could have prayed that we have the most blessings compared to people who don't believe in him. He could have believed that puppies live forever and they stay small, right? He could have prayed for anything, but he, in that moment, knowing that that will be his last time of intentional prayer before the cross, prays for unity, right? Because that is what we need unity with God, which brings us unity with each other. That helps us build and stand on a foundation of Christ. Number two thing that he says, he talks about is prayer. Prayer is active participation with the living God and depending on him. I feel like I've been convicted. I take that for granted so much. Uh, I'm doing the women's study as well, which is going on right now. They have one in the morning. That's how I'm here. Um, They are going through, we just finished a book called When You Pray. And it's all of these amazing women who came together. They wrote a different section of it. And um, we take for granted that we get to pray to our living God and depend on him. When, um, a few years ago, probably more than a few years ago, I did the Joshua program at Hume Lake. Anyone familiar with Hume Lake? Yeah. You guys are are quiet. It's stressing me out. Okay. (laughs) I did the Joshua program at Hume Lake. If you don't know what it is, it's a year-long gap year program that focuses on discipleship. Uh, It's awesome, but it has some weird extreme rules, like you can't uh, be one-on-one with a guy and girl. You can't listen to music, can't watch TV. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, just to give you context. So um, one of the perks, though, of doing the program is you get to go to Israel and do this amazing tour where you walk where Jesus walked, where you get to see stories in your Bible come to life and realize, oh my gosh, like these are real places. And also this is not what I pictured this would look like. Um, One of the places that we got to go in Israel um, is called the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. Um, And that was probably the most impactful place that we went for for me. Um, There's people there who are there like every minute of the day. There's people there. It's like never empty. And they're there earnestly praying these prayers. They're writing prayers and sticking them in the wall. Um, There's a wall that divides where girls go and guys go. And they are there because that is the closest that they believe they can get to Jesus, right? They believe that his physical presence dwells there because you can't really like just go inside and wander around. They go to the wall because that's as close as they think they can get to him. But our God lives and dwells with us. And he, I just, I can't even put it in words how I take that for granted every day. So prayer, standing in the foundation of him. And if you're like me, and uh, I like go through what I call awkward stages of prayer, where I'm like, ooh, I haven't prayed in a while. I haven't been super intentional with prayer. There's so many ways to pray. The book that we did talked about um, the basics of the Lord's Prayer. It did um, prayers of praise, where you're just focused solely on the amazing glory that God is. Um, but my favorite week was when we talked about lamenting, which is basically like these like sorrow, sorrowful, oh, that's that's a hard word. There's there's sad prayers. I'm going to put it that way. Um, like Psalm 13, verse 1 of Psalm 13. It's only like, I think, six or eight verses long. Now it's leaving my head. But uh, verse 1 literally starts, How long, Lord? 
Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And I would encourage you, even if you're in a place where you're like, ooh, I feel awkward with God, you can go to God and say, God, I feel awkward. Uh, I want to come to you. I want to dwell with you. I want to participate actively with you, and I want to depend on you. Uh, Prayer, even though it seems simple, can be super daunting, but that is something that we literally are interacting and participating with the living God. So I'd encourage you in a way to stand firm in truth, stand firm in faith, is by having that relationship with the Lord through prayer. And the last point for that in Jude's action plan would be love God. Seems so simple, right? Love God. But that encompasses a lot of things, as you may know. Um, One of the things is obedience, right? The gospel, when we know and believe God and that Christ died for us and atoned for our sins, it's a transformative thing, right? The gospel isn't just a, all right, I believe you, Jesus. That's awesome. I'm going to go keep living my life. Thank you for the salvation. I'll check in with you at the afterlife. Sound good? That's not what the gospel is. That's not what salvation is. Um, Hopefully you don't believe that. And if you do, come talk to us and we'll help guide you in that, right? Uh, It's a transformative thing and we want to live in obedience, not because we need to earn God's love, not because we can make or break our salvation, right? We want to live in obedience because of the love that God gave us and we want to show that love by being obedient to his word. Um, And the next thing that goes with the love of God is perseverance, right? Throughout the Bible, it gives example after example of running the race with endurance, considering all your trials joy for the formation of your faith, right? Um, Keeping your eyes upward. There's so many passages and verses um, that says that. How many of you probably almost no one because nobody picks this sport. Was anybody like a runner or is a runner right now? Yeah. Was it your choice? Did you choose running? Yikes. Is it easy to just go and be a runner? Is it easy to just like decide one day you get to be a runner? No, right? So uh, I had the wonderful privilege of my best friend's mom being the cross country coach at Clovis West for a really long time. Uh, If any of you know Coach Bethel, she's the best. Um, Yeah, she's awesome. So from a very young age, um, our summers looked like getting up at 6 a.m. and going to train. And uh, that what didn't just mean you get up, you put on your running shoes, you put on your little shorts, and you go for a run, right? I wish it was that simple, even though I didn't want to run at 6 a.m. as a sixth grader, right? Um, no, there's so much that goes into running a race well, right? You have to eat right, you have to get those carbs, you have to hydrate, you have to stretch, you have to do like the dynamics, it's like a Frankenstein walk, and all these things, right, to prep for your run and to train for a run, right? Our salvation is like that too. You have to practice, right? You have to work at it. It's not something where you put on your shorts and you're like, I'm going to jog with Jesus today, right? It takes effort to do that. Um, And so we need to persevere, right, in that? (laughs) Sorry, I'm looking at my notes and I get lost. Um, And then verses 22 and 23 talk now, Jude said, okay, we have our action plan. We have what we need to do in order to stand firm. And now, in just two verses, he talks about how we respond to those false teachers, right? Um, And I believe that he did it in this order because we can't help others if we haven't done the work ourselves, right? 
I want to ask one of you, uh, one of the many of you who didn't raise your hand to train me to run a marathon, right? That would probably not be a good idea. I mean, maybe you could do some Google searching and find me a good workout plan, but you're not going to be the person who I go to to train me for a marathon, right? Jude addresses how to respond to the false teachers because our faith and foundation will dictate our response. Um, and I really believe that that's why Jude tells us this is what we need to do for ourselves before we can address um, the others. And then verses 24 and 25 is great. Jude ends with giving credit where credit is due. I'm going to read it one more time for us, starting at verse 24. Now, all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away, and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who is God alone, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. All these things that we do to be contenders of the faith rely on us building a foundation on Christ. They don't rely on us in our own strength, in what we can do, in how well we can flee from temptation, in how well we can convince our friend that what they're doing is wrong, in our fight for our secret sin. It's not on us. Nothing in those two verses says, Audrey is the Lord. Audrey can keep herself. Audrey is the Almighty from now and all time, right? I mean, unless I'm reading the wrong version, it doesn't say my name up there, and it doesn't say your name up there. Our foundation, in order to be a contender for the faith, needs to be in Christ. As Jude put it, he is who is able to keep you from falling away, not us, not me, not Jake, not your friend sitting next to you, not your mom or your dad or whoever, Christ. Christ is who can keep us from falling away. When our desires and sins and others get in the way, he is what can bring us back and he is what keeps us and sustains us. Our action plan is what connects us to Christ and the truth. Those three things that we talked about that Jude had, our action plan, those are ways for you to stay connected to your foundation of Christ. Um, for the past like week and a half, I've had the song Firm Foundation stuck in my head, right? You all probably know it. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand when everything... Thank you, Seth. <laughs> Been more glad I put my faith in. He never lets me. Right? We could go on. I could sing the whole song. You probably don't want that. I did tell Jake if I didn't hit my mark, I would just sing until I was done. Um, but my favorite part about that, and I don't care if I'm in the car, I don't care if in my office next to Seth and Anna, is the part that you all probably yell either internally or externally, right? Is he'll, he won't, right? He's not gonna let you down. I might be the only one who yells he won't, but that's what I do, right? God's grace demands a whole life response as contenders of the faith 
we are to fight for truth, right? Because of God's grace, we are contenders of the faith. Um, I want to close by reading the first two verses of Jude again for you, and then I'll pray. Um, The letter is from Jude, a slave of Christ and a brother of James. I am writing to all who have been called God, or I'm sorry, been called by God the Father, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, uh, we just come before you humbled that we get to be a contender of the faith, God. God, that we get to defend your truth, that we get to be anchored in you, that we get to dwell with you and live in relation with you. God, I pray as we are being contenders of the faith that we would stand firm in you and your truth. God, that we would stay connected to the vine because we are just a branch. God, that we would spur each other on for your sake and your glory. I pray a blessing over the the students in this room, the young adults in this room, God, that you would bless them and keep them, that you would show them who you are and remind them who they are in you. In your son's name we pray, amen. Thank you for tuning into AnchorCast. I pray that you take this word and that Jesus transforms your life in ways you never thought possible. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. And of course, follow us on social media at Anchor Nights to stay up to date with all of our events, meetings, and uploads. Thanks again for listening and may God bless you. Thank you.